0: Would you take your Bibles with me, or your electronic devices, or the Pew Bible, and join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 955. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're continuing our verse-by-verse journey through this letter of the Apostle Paul to those in Corinth. And this morning, we've come to chapter 6, and we'll be looking at verses 12 through 20. Follow along as I read. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord become one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I think at the very end of chapter 12, those words of Paul, glorify God in your body, is kind of summing up the whole thing together. Glorify God. If you forget everything else I say this morning, just remember those two words glorify God. Why well, have a predicament this morning? Some predicaments are of our own making, probably most of them are of our own making, and sometimes predicaments are thrust upon us. I have a predicament this morning. On my way into church, I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts. And I bought a dozen donuts. They look very good. The clerk assured me she gave me one of each kind that is there. My predicament is this morning, should I eat one of these donuts? Should I eat all of these donuts? Or should I eat some of these donuts? And I'm going to use this as an illustration as we talk this morning about this whole principle of glorifying God. If I don't get the box closed, I'm going to be tempted as we go through the circle. So let me set them right here just for a while. We'll come back to the donuts later. But the question is, can I eat these donuts this morning and glorify God? God. Now, that's a question I don't like to ask all the time. Since I was studying for this passage, it was very convicting all throughout the week dealing with this question that we should ask, does it glorify God? Well, Paul deals with this. So the first question that we need to ask that Paul is pointing out to us in this passage is, is it beneficial? Look at verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Not all things are beneficial. Now, I I struggled in preparing for the message, what exactly is being said here in verse 12, where it says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So I looked at some other translations of this passage and some paraphrases of verse 12, and I want you to consider, this help you in our understanding of it. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. The CEF puts it this way. Some of you say we can do anything we want to, But I tell you, not everything is good for us, so I refuse to let anything have power over me. The Living Bible puts it this way, I can do anything I want to if Christ has not said no, but some of these things aren't good for me. Even if I am allowed to do them, I'll refuse to if I think they might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. The message puts it this way, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it is spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I would be a slave to my whims. So we're asking the question, is it beneficial? And when we think about things, we're going to bring glory to God, we have to ask that question, is it beneficial? Now you'll note that within the verse in the ESV translation and in several of the other versions of the Bible that put it, they put that statement in quotation marks that says all things are lawful for me. And then not in quotation marks is the statement, but not all things are helpful. Once again in quotation marks, all things are lawful for me and then not in quotation marks, but I will not be dominated by anything. That's indicating to us, and I think correctly so, this is a statement that was being made by those in Corinth. Everything is lawful for me. I have freedom to do everything. And some even think that that's a quote from the Apostle Paul that the Apostle Paul had taught them when he was there that you are free in Christ and you are free to do all things. Well that would be consistent with Paul's teaching elsewhere. Over in Galatians chapter 5, Paul in writing to the Galatians would say in verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then in verse 13 he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, for through love serve one another. So it would be consistent for Paul to say, hey, everything is lawful for me, and everything is lawful for you as believers. Well, now the Corinthians are taking that and applying it in ways that Paul never intended. So Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Not all things are beneficial. So I have to ask myself a question. Would it be beneficial for me today to eat these donuts? To eat one, eat the whole box? Would it be... It's lawful for me to do so. There is no verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not eat a donut. That's why we have Donut Sunday at the church, which is not this morning, so don't rush up for the box. (laughs) Next Sunday is Donut Sunday, the last Sunday of each month. So if it were against, if it was unlawful for us to do it, we would not have donuts out there for people once a month. But I have to ask the question, is it beneficial for me to eat one of those donuts or eat several of them or eat the whole box? What if I let you in on a little secret? What if I told you that my doctor has told me, which he has, Butch, you're a little overweight, you need to lose some weight, and he said, Butch, you are pre-diabetic and you need to watch your sugar intake. Now with that information, I have to ask myself the question, it's lawful for me to have one of these donuts, but would it be beneficial for me to have one of these donuts? And the answer is, nope, it would not be beneficial. So in things that come into our lives, we have to ask this question. It may be lawful for us to do it, but is it beneficial? Because our overall goal, our purpose is to do what? Glorify. Say that again with me. Glorify God. So if I can't take that donut and say by eating it, I am glorifying God, as much as it may make me sad, I shouldn't eat one of these donuts. But then we have to ask another question. Not only do we ask the question, does Paul ask the question, is it beneficial? He also asks the question, will it control me? Will it control me? Look at it in verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So our second question is this. Will it control me? And there are many things that may be lawful for us to do, but we need to ask the question, Will this control me? Now, I'm going to get very specific here in talking about some things. So everybody here may think I'm picking on you uh, before you leave this morning. But I just want to show practical applications to this particular question that we need to ask if we're glorifying God is, will it control me? So for instance, it is lawful for me to drink wine, to have alcohol. There is no commandment in the Bible that says, thou shalt not have a drink. But the question is, will it control me? The Apostle Paul gives a warning to those in Ephesus in Ephesians 5.18, where he says to them, do not get drunk with wine. To get drunk means that the wine is controlling you. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So when it comes to the issue of drinking, it may be lawful for you to have a drink, but will it control you? And is it something that you can just have a drink and then walk away from it? Because some who are alcoholics can't just have a drink without it leading to another drink and another drink and another drink? Will it control me? Right? We have the issue of alcohol, we have the issue of prescription drugs. Now prescription drugs You know, I'm thankful for them. If any of you have have had pains where doctors have prescribed prescription drugs for you, you've probably given thanks to God for the advancements that medicine has made through the year. But how many people end up abusing prescription drugs? Because they kind of like the way some of those drugs make them feel. And so they become addicted. Addicted. So will this control me? Men, it's not against the law for your wife to go shopping. There's no command that says, thou shalt not shop. It's not there. But ladies, we have to ask the question. You have to ask the question. Will it control me can I only be happy when I'm spending money because you're addicted to spending the money so you have to ask the question can we afford it and is that a source of happiness that that's the only way I can be happy is because it's control I know years ago we dealt with a a lady uh who was in our church that was addicted to alcohol she, she had a drinking problem. And the Lord thankfully delivered her from that drinking problem. But I want to warn those of you who've dealt with addictions in the past. Because if you have an addictive type of personality, you tend to go from one addiction to another addiction. She defeated alcohol, but then we found out And she came and talked to us. She needed help because she was addicted to spending. And she had run all of her credit cards up to the max. And when they were all at the max, she'd go get other credit cards. So she could spend because she was only happy when she was spending. It was controlling her. So we... She met with one of the financial counselors here at the church. We helped her get her finances in order. And one of the things to help her is we had her cut up every one of her credit cards. So that she couldn't what? She couldn't use them. Except there's this little thing called the internet. And when your bill comes, your account number is there on the the bill. So what did she do? She called the credit card companies and found out that little code that she needed from the back of her credit card because she had lost her credit cards, and now she was charging over the phone, or she was charging over the internet. See, the problem was still there. It was controlling her. So will it control us? There's nothing wrong with wanting to look good, but if we become obsessed with it to the point where we develop an eating disorder, it is controlling us, and it is not beneficial to us, and it is controlling us, and it doesn't bring glory to God. Okay, I picked on the ladies with the, the spending okay men. Uh, ladies, first of all, there's nothing in the Bible that says you shall not watch sporting events. Some of you may wish there was that type of commandment. there. And guys, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with you being a sports fan unless you become so obsessed with it that it affects your mood. Now, some of you were grumpy most of last year because you were Browns fans. (laughs) And if it's to the point that it takes control of us, that there's nothing else we can do, the Browns game is on, so everybody else, leave the house, don't interrupt me for anything because I am focused and this is what my life is about at this time if it's controlling us then it's not bringing glory to God and we all need to remember myself included after all it is only a game right? it's only a game so Paul has told us we need to ask the question, is it beneficial? We need to ask the question, will it control me? Because what's the ultimate goal? Say it together with me. Glorify God. Paul is going to cause us to ask a third question. And that is, will it have eternal benefits? Will it have eternal benefits? Look at verse 13. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. Notice that that's in quotation marks again. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. So is what we're doing, will it have of eternal value? Is there going to be benefits to what we're doing? See, the Corinthians setting the stage for the next verses that we're going to be dealing with are once again quoting Paul, and they are saying to Paul, hey, food is just made for the stomach, and stomach is made for food. That's how God has designed us so we can eat as much as we want, wherever we want, uh, as long as we want Because after all, we are only carrying out the normal functions of the body. And the Apostle Paul is asked the question, he said, he's he's pointing out that eventually what happens to this body? From dust we came, to dust we will return. What's going to happen to the food? It's temporary too. So is what we're doing, are we considering it from the level of, is there any eternal value to what we're doing? Uh, Vernon Brewer, the head of World Help, states over and over again that every day he wants to do at least one thing that will outlive him and last for eternity. That's a good goal for us to have in our lives. To do at least one thing every day that will have eternal benefits. So can we do something or not to do it? We need to ask the question, are there any eternal benefits to it? Or are there any eternal consequences to it? Let me speak to those of you who are here who've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As you consider your life, there are eternal consequences to the decisions that you make. There is eternal consequence as to whether you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord or Savior, or whether you reject him. We are all going to spend eternity somewhere. Where are you going to spend eternity? And as someone that doesn't know Christ, Christ invites you to put your faith and trust in him. Because through his sacrifice on the cross, he made a way for us to have eternal life in a place called heaven. He died so that you might be able to have your sins forgiven and have an intimate relationship with There are eternal consequences to the decision you're making if you choose to reject Christ. Because remember, ultimately, what's most important? That we do what? Glorify God. Now, Paul is going to jump into a whole section here that deals with sin that was going on in Corinth. And he is forcing them and forcing us to ask the question, is it immoral? Is it immoral? Look at the last part of verse 13. Now, remember setting the stage for what Paul's going to say. The Corinthians have said to him, food for the body and the body for food. We should just eat because that's a normal bodily Function. Paul is setting them up because now they are also going to apply that to the sexual lifestyles that they're living, saying God created us as sexual beings. And because God has created us as sexual beings, we are free to express that however we want to. And remember, in leading up to this message in the previous messages, we have seen that Corinth was a sex-charged city with all kinds of immorality available to those who lived in Corinth and was even a part of their pagan religion. Now, notice what Paul says, beginning in the last part of verse 13. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Paul is saying, you've got that all wrong. God didn't create you to have sexual immorality going on in your life. But for the Lord, the body is made for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Remember this body? This body one day is going to be raised back up. So you need to use your bodies in a way that will glorify God. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Now this is what they were arguing in Corinth. The people in Corinth were arguing since God made the body to and made us as sexual beings, it's free for us to have as much sex as we want, wherever we want, with whoever we want, because that's how God has designed us. And the Apostle Paul is making it clear to them. He's saying and asking the question, should we make the members of Christ members of a prostitute? And what's his answer there? Never, with an exclamation. I feel like it's the Apostle Paul as he's writing this. He's almost yelling, never. How can you even think that? Paul, in correcting them on this, he's just amazed that this is the the argument they are making to him. And he's saying, you can never do that. You know, I, I can remember when my, Kids were growing up, and most of you as as parents can relate to this, when they did something wrong and I was talking to them, they would say to me, why are you yelling at me? Have you ever heard that? Why are you yelling at me? And, you know, I tend to be pretty loud to start with, but I always took offense to being it being said I was yelling at them. So my response was always... You want to hear yelling? I'll show you yelling. And then I would yell at them. And I think what's happening here is the Apostle Paul is yelling at them, saying, never. How can you even think this? Verse 16, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. Paul is reminding them. That there is more going on when we have sex than just the mere physical act. It involves our entire beings being united together. Verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So what Paul is saying here is, hey, this sin of sexual immorality that you are all engaging there in Corinth and don't think anything of it. It's even different from other sins because the other sins that you're committing are not directly connected to the body, but sexual sin is. Do not commit sexual immorality. Because ultimately, what is the goal for all of us? Glorify God. To glorify God. And that needs to be our focus. Paul is then going to ask or imply another question. And that's the question, what is the Spirit saying? What is the Spirit saying? Look at verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? When you were saved, for believers here, when you were saved, the Spirit of God was placed inside of you. Paul's saying, don't forget that. Don't forget the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Can I say something that convicts me and hopefully might be helpful for you as well? Sometimes we think we do something and we do it just in secret. And nobody sees and nobody knows. We're deceiving ourselves. Because not only is God omniscient and omnipresent, for us as believers, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. There is always someone who sees, even if that someone is God. And so Paul is reminding them, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. Don't you remember that? And we need to remember that. And we need to listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. As believers, the Spirit of God speaks to our spirit. He confirms that we are the children of God, but he also guides and directs us into all truth. And he will convict us if what we're doing is not honoring and glorifying God. So what's the Spirit saying? And are we listening to what the Spirit has to say to us. He says at the end of verse 19 you are not your own and into verse 20 for you were bought with a price. Isn't that sobering for us to remember? We belong to God as Christians. We're not our own. You see all of us were made in the image of God. God created us. So, on the first level, every human being is responsible to God because he is our creator and he has put his image upon us. That is why the world and the system of the world is so intent on teaching a theory like evolution because if man was not directly created by God, then man is not responsible. To God, But if we all bear the image of God and we're created by God, then we're responsible to it. Remember when they asked Jesus, should I pay taxes or not? Remember what Jesus said? Hey, show me a coin. Whose image is on it? They said Caesar's. He says, okay, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But he didn't stop there, did he? He went on and said what? And give to God what belongs to God. See, whose image is on us? God's. But as Christians, we belong to him twice over. Not only did he create us, but he bought us with his blood being shared of all, shed upon the cross so that we could be saved. He paid for us. We were bought with a price. And when we remember that, it should help us to determine the way we're going to act. And so he ends up this section before he goes into the questions that they are going to ask him by driving home the point, which I think sums up the first six chapters, sets the stage for the last chapters in this book, and that point is this. What's our responsibility? Glorify God. Friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus went to the cross and died so that you could be saved, but you must receive that sacrifice. And I urge you, put your faith and trust in him. Believers, we need to examine what we're doing and ask the question, will this glorify God? Well, let me come back to the donuts for a moment. And my predicament here, okay? They look good. They smell good as well. So I've established, I can't eat these donuts. Because for me, and this isn't true for everyone here, but for me, I would not this morning be glorifying God if I ate these donuts. But remember what I said when I began the message? Some predicaments of our own making. I made this predicament for myself, right? I went to the donut shop, I bought the donuts, I created the issue I have to deal with. Sometimes predicaments in our life are thrust upon us by someone else. And so this morning, Jim, <laughs> I have that's your predicament as to what you are going to do with The donuts. Because, and if you, and if your family can eat them to the glory of God, enjoy them to their very end. Sadly, I just cannot. Let's pray. Thank you. (laughs) Father, we thank you for how practical your word is. And Father, it is our goal to glorify you in all that we do and all that we say. And Father, I just pray, first of all, for any who do not know you as Savior, that they might come to know you as Lord and Savior. And Father, for each of us that do know you as Lord and Savior, may we glorify you in all we say, and in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.